millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm Rebecca Milzoff, senior editor at Billboard musical theater fan in residence here and your host. If I sound a little strange this week, it's because I'm coming to you from being on vacation, but such is my dedication to musical theater podcasting that I am calling in to tell you about an amazing musical that's actually going to be on TV this week that I feel passionately about, so I wanted to make sure you all heard too. In the world of modern musical theater, there are certain shows that just inspire gasps of total reverence among the musical-loving faithful whenever they're mentioned, and William Finn's Falsettos is one of those. For a long time, I really didn't know why that was. The show was first produced in 1992 when I was a kid. Um, Over the years, I learned that the story itself was fairly revolutionary at the time. It's about a man who leaves his wife and child for another man, but still manages to find a way to keep his family together. And I got to know the music of William Finn, of course, too. Outside of falsettos, he's probably best known for uh, writing the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, and most recently, a musical adaptation of the movie Little Miss Sunshine. But it wasn't until this past year when I saw the incredible revival of falsettos on Broadway that I really got why people go so crazy over the show. Watching it is a little bit like being on a train that's constantly hurtling forward. It's almost completely sung through and it proceeds at this antic pace aided by the very witty lyrics of Mr. Finn. But the story is an incredible one that's both heartwarming and devastating. And the characters are so specifically drawn, they really feel like real people and more specifically real New Yorkers. The Broadway revival closed in January, but happily for everyone, you can all still see it because it is going to be aired Friday, October 27th on PBS's Live from Lincoln Center. And because I loved it so much, I decided you all in the podcast universe should hear from the casting composer. So in a billboard on Broadway first, I had a kind of bi-coastal chat with members of the cast and the composer himself recently, uh, Andrew Rannells, who you may know from the Book of Mormon on Broadway or Girls on HBO, and Brandon Uranowitz from the cast came to the billboard office in New York to hang out with me while Bill Finn called in along with cast member Tracy Toms uh, in LA. Four Jews in a room bitching. Four Jews in a room plot a crime. I'm bitching, he's bitching, they're bitching, we're bitching, bitch, 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 funny, 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 bitch, 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 all the time. Hi, everyone. Hi. 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 So I saw all of you on the Broadway and I cried a lot and it was wonderful. 
And so I'm happy to have you here. Thank you. And uh, to talk about nice to uh, the, the broadcast that so many more people can see, which is amazing. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Uh, Broadway it's on TV exciting. is always very exciting. Uh, so I would love, since we're all in, we are all in different places for people who are listening, um, if everybody could maybe just tell listeners who you are and who you play in falsettos and who that person is, that would be helpful. Uh, sure, I'll start. I'm Andrew Rannells, and I played Wizard, and I'm here in New York City with you, live in your studio. Sitting, yeah. am- sitting among many books. Yes. yes. I'm I'm Brandon Uranowitz, and I played Mendel, uh, and I'm also here in New York in your beautiful Billboard archives. And far away, who are you people? William Finn in New York City, but not in your beautiful studio, and I wrote it with James Lapine. Uh, I'm Tracy Toms. I play Dr. Charlotte, and I am in L.A. calling in on phone. Hooray. We are all live in stereo. So, Bill, since you you wrote this thing, why don't you tell people a little bit just what the story is of falsettos? No, no, no. no, That's the one question I cannot answer. (laughs) I, I wrote it. You know, someone else tell what the story is. Andrew, how about you? <laughs> what the story is? All right. Yes. Um, the first act is about uh, Marvin, um, played by Christian Borel, leaving his wife, played by Stephanie J. Block, and his child, played by Anthony Rosenthal. Um, he leaves them for another man, played by me, uh, and encourages his wife and child to see a therapist, played by Brandon Uranowitz, and um, then... The therapist, Mendel, Brandon Uranowitz, um, falls in love with Stephanie J. Block, and she falls in love with him, and they end up getting married. And it's about this very strange dynamic that this divorced couple now has to deal with new people in their lives and sort of how they interact with each other and how they're going to sort of all cohabitate and um, raise this trial together. So that's sort of the first act. The second act, we come back, and we add two sassy lesbians from next door played by Tracy Toms and Betsy J. Wolf. No, just Betsy Wolf. There's no J. Um, and uh, and we sort of flash forward. Marvin and Wizard are no longer together um, and they're planning uh, their Jason, their son, they're planning his bar mitzvah um, then Marvin gets back together with Wizard. Everybody's all happy together for a, a couple numbers, and then we find out that Wizard is sick. So then the back end of that first, that second act is about sort of how everybody's coping with um, this huge change and this huge tragedy in their and their very tight knit family. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? <laughs> did it's you write that down? About Marvin becoming a man. Oh. You know what, Bill? You had it's your chance. It's actually about Marvin becoming a man. That that's what the whole the arc of the show is about. Thank you. Learning how to become a man. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that you know, looking back now, this is a show that is seen as so revolutionary, and that was certainly extremely revolutionary at its time, and still continues to be very relevant. Bill, what inspired you to tell this story in the first place, and did you have a sense? when you were first working on it, that it was going to have this impact on people? Or was that in any way a surprise to you? It was a total surprise. I, I, I think the Jewishness was more revolutionary than the homosexuality. I mean, people do not realize what it was like to, to be gay in, in the 70s and 60s, 70s. 
it was a, it was a, a very different situation. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say that this is this is an extremely New Yorky show in general, and the Jewishness of it is something that I, you know, when, you, you know, I am a Jewish New Yorker, I watch it and I think it's hilarious. But was that ever a moment of, wait, is, is everybody going to get all these jokes? Is it going to, like, immediately resonate with audiences? Was that at all, like, a concern for you? The more specific, the more universal you are. So I, I just try to be as specific as possible and tell about the sort of life that I understood best. Mm-hmm. And Brandon, uh, Andrew, and Tracy, what was the legacy of the show that you were aware of coming into it? What was your own personal experience with it before getting cast? I, I, I actually sang some of Jason's stuff when I was a kid in in theater school, um, and it was sort of like the fir- it was the first time I had ever seen people that I grew up around, family, friends. <laughs> temple patrons it was the first time i had seen these people on stage doing what i loved to do so for me it was very personal um and uh, you know being able to actually do it again on broadway was like a dream of mine because that like you like you said and like bill said the jewishness of it i think was pretty revolutionary. I mean, everybody can relate to neuroses on some level, but mm-hmm. it's us Jews who really wear it on our sleeves. You know what I mean? And, and, um, it was, it, it was, it was fun to see and, and, and kind of life changing for me. I don't know. Yeah. I, I felt very similarly to I, my introduction to the show is the Tony awards. Um, they performed the baseball number on the Tony awards in 1992. And I saw that as a, a young person. And, uh, I had never, similarly, um, I was not raised Jewish, but um, had never seen a gay couple on TV before, really, mm-hmm. um, and certainly one uh, that seemed happy. Uh, so as a as a kid, I was really drawn to it, and then I just I, I went to the library and just, like, poured over the libretto and the CDs, and I just I sort of obsessed over it, but certainly never thought I'd get an opportunity to perform in it. So when this revival came along, it was sort of, it was... Uh, a total dream come true, but also a real surprise because it sort of came out of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about for you, Tracy? Uh, well, it's funny because um, I kind of had the opposite experience in school. Someone in my class sang, uh, "What more can I say?" And I was like, "What is this song? Where is this from? It's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard." Yeah. Um, so I kind of came to it late because I think you know what generally happens when you're a young person wants to do theater, you tend to get cast or like, gravitate towards things that you could be in. And so Falsettos was not really on my radar um, the way it would be if it was something that people would, you know, typically look like me would do. So this was an experience. It was like a, a whole new introduction to the whole trajectory of the show and the intricacies of the story. So it was really... Um, fascinating for me because so much of it was new. Um, I knew some of the big songs from it, but um, I didn't know the score the way that I should have. <laughs> but um, I'm so happy that I was able to. I was like, really? Falsettos? Fantastic. You know, and everybody who knew Falsettos around me in LA were like, no, you're perfect for Dr. Char- Charlotte. You have to go in for it. And I was like, is Dr. Charlotte Black? They're like, no, but she should be. And it should be. <laughs> so, no. 
She is now. <laughs> yeah, no, she, no, she is. <laughs> she is now. But I listen to it. Oh my God, this is, this is so beautiful and so complicated and so nuanced and so human. And I just fell in love with it. It's definitely a show that I I kind of have gotten the sense of people I've talked to who've seen it that it it holds a special place, especially for people who truly love musical theater. Um, and so much of that is Bill's music. And you mentioned what more can I say that is just a gorgeous song. And um, Bill, I'm wondering, was there a first song you wrote that for you really set the tone of okay, this is what I want the mood and feeling of this show to be? Well, the first song I wrote for this was for Jews in Room Bitching. And I just thought, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, just write it. Just write it the way you want to write it. And who who cares who's offended? (laughs) (laughs) And it's super fun to perform. Yes. Oh, my God. It's fun to perform. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I miss it. I was scared. I know, of, that's the one number I'm not in that I wish I was in. It's a good one. I mean, I was scared of we all had crazy beards and wigs, and I was a little afraid of it at first, but then I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the that extra. No, it was a blast. It was a blast. It was a blast. Yeah. Yes, yeah. the visual of, of you dressed as like a Maccabee is hilarious. Yeah, just Old Testament <laughs> yes. superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that that number also does a really good job of setting the stage for what Bill's music is like and what I assume the challenges of singing it are. I mean, it's very witty. It's very, very fast. I, it seems like everything about it is very fast-paced, unless it's a slower song. But what are, I mean, as an actor, what are the challenges of his music? What do you think makes his music so great? It, uh, Bill, Be very careful. I know, I was going to say, Bill, please don't <laughs> yell at any of us. I mean, the well, I, you know, I have to say... Uh, I'm doing a show right now where I have to play a bunch of different characters and they live in different worlds. Um, and it's so much more exhausting than doing falsettos, which ha- which surprised me because falsettos is almost entirely sung through from beginning to end with barely any book scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd think that that would just be exhausting to do and challenging to do as an actor. But because um, it's it lives in this like stream of consciousness place... Um, and all of it, just the melody and the lyrics just follow a, a, such a logical, melodic path. You just sort of get on the train and ride it to the end, and you, it does all the work for you just because it's so smart and so brilliant and so human. Um, so I guess from the outside, it does appear really challenging mm-hmm. at, for an actor, which which it is when you're learning it. I have to say learning this thing was a beast, but... Um, once it's in your body, uh, because Bill is so brilliant at what he does, it just sort of comes out of you. Yeah, and it's it's the most um, it's the certainly uh, a lot. So much of the hard work is done. A lot of times in musicals, you have to do a lot of extra work, making sense of lyrics, mm-hmm. making sense of music. I don't know how to act this. I don't know how to tell this part of the story. Or this is just music that is clearly just music that is right. you know filling in or wasting time and with bill nothing is wasted so everything is a is a very playable very thoughtful moment um so i think for that reason even vocally i don't think it was not even though it was it's very difficult it's it wasn't incredibly fatiguing because it all felt like it made sense it all felt like it was all justified and if you were right. singing high it was because you were it, it perfectly matched the emotion that the character was feeling at the moment or right. you were got, never like i'm I'm singing high now because I'm required to yes. sing high. It comes from the heart. Yeah. It's just a perfect musical. Good job, Bill. 
pretty much. Thank you very much, children. (laughs) (laughs) Is that all the right things? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, to me, that that has a lot to do, too, with how, like, specifically drawn the characters are. I think they're all, like, really rich, complex characters. And I think certainly the three of you, I've seen you all in other shows and other work. And I felt like this revealed parts of all of you that I hadn't seen before, like a lot more depth. And like, I'd have to say that Brandon is kind of like the sexiest therapist. (gasps) I walked away and I was like, I kind of have like a little crush on Brandon now. It was was a little weird. We all had crushes on Brandon (laughs) and also like completely forgave the character's complete inappropriateness. So unethical. (laughs) So unethical. (laughs) I had the exact same thought. I was like, I would, have se- I would have sex with that therapist. <laughs> Guys, stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can all have sex later. <laughs> no, but I would think that as actors, that's like so much fun to dig into, like night after night after night. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Tracy, are you still with us? I'm, <laughs> I'm still there. I'm just afraid to talk over people. No, we want to hear so your voice. I'm like listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree with everything they're saying. I mean, I, I was in rehearsal and I was like, I generally, generally the musicals I've done have been kind of like pop rock musicals. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like in like a, a pop rock rock space. So we started rehearsal. I couldn't believe I got cast in it because it's just more, it was more a legit space uh, that I'm not used to singing in. And in the beginning, I was like, I can't sing this. Oh my God, I can't sing it. And then something clicked and then it was just right there. And I think it's everything that you guys were saying that it just kind of lives in you. Once you just kind of give over to the music, everything else falls into place. And you don't have to work as hard as you might have thought you were going to have to. That makes any sense. Absolutely. It just happened. Yeah. And then it just happened. And the show would just happen, you know, and I'm like, I, I'm doing this show. I can't believe I'm doing this show, you know, and eight times a week. And I just thought I would be wrecked and I wasn't. It's also very forgiving. And I don't know. It's like magical. It's very forgiving yeah, music because it is supposed to be, you know, emotional and passionate and angry sometimes, or you know, quirky other times. And so it it uh, just from a singing standpoint, it's it it lets you be human, which mm. is great. Mm. Not always the case in musicals. You get to sort of yeah yeah you get to be human. Being a real person. Mm-hmm. Shocker. Yeah, and Bill did this like remarkable sort yeah. of miraculous thing where this. All of the songs, they feel when you're singing them, it feels like you're talking. It doesn't necessarily feel like you're singing, and yet when you listen to them, they are completely hummable, memorable, melodic sh- songs. Yeah, I don't know how you did it, Bill. Uh, uh, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, when, when when the first came out, people thought that the score was written. Improvisationally, hmm. which if you look at it, it, it's all there are a million interior rhymes in there. It obviously wasn't written improvisationally. That's right. So <laughs> I just want to make it sound like it was. 
Yeah, no, I think some of, sometimes the things that sound most improvisational are the ac- actually the most carefully constructed, choreographed yes. things. Um, I mean, Bill, what is it f- to revisit a work like this so many years after you first wrote it? What is that like for you? I was very nervous until I saw what Lapine was trying to do, and I thought it was so brilliant that I, I just, you know, it was just really fun watching it uh, grow and and get better. And I assume you all spent a lot of time in a room together with Bill, which is an, an awesome thing to be with a living composer. Yeah, I mean, what was that like working working one on one with him? Uh, it was amazing, and it was also amazing that he, both he and James Lapine. Um, both uh, were not overly precious uh, with the material. Little changes and tweaks were made. Little lyric changes were made. Um, Things that were easier for us to do if it it fit us uh, better than they would would change it. And it's it's always very exciting to work closely with the creators of the material because, particularly when they are not precious, because um, they want it to be the best it can be. So they're willing to make little adjustments and changes for all of us or um, I mean, that's what I was, I was so blown away watching Bill work that you would, Bill would change lines that he had just always wanted to change. He would, you know, he, um, which was very cool to see him continuing to work on this piece and not just laying, you know, sitting back and saying, well, we did it once and it worked. So we'll just do that exact same thing. Bill was very, was very thoughtful about the work that he put into it. Tracy? Yes. Um, I, I was so, um, moved by the fact that it felt like we were doing a brand new show, even though we knew we weren't. Uh, but it felt so fresh and so alive and new that I never felt for a second that we were recreating something that had already been done so brilliantly. I felt like we were, everybody had fresh eyes on it. Um, and it was really um, freeing for me to be able to really explore a character as if she had never existed before. Um you know, and I thought that was a great gift that we were all given to be able to, you know, pick their brains about how things were created, but also just come at it like it was brand new. And Bill, as a composer, is it is there an impulse to self-edit that, that you have to quell at all, or are you pretty good at saying, okay? No, I've seen so many productions of the show, and I was bothered in the same places every time I saw it. <laughs> so I had a chance to fix it, and I fixed it. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, kudos to you. Uh, and much of the original cast is around, too, still, right? Did you guys get to see them and talk to them about their experiences? We did. They were at our opening night. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was very moving for them. I think it's a show that people get very uh, attached to it when they do it. And it's mm-hmm. not one that um, that leaves you very quickly. So it was really beautiful to see all the different uh, cast. Because for the most, there was, you know, some yeah. various people, you know, Alison Frazier and and then Faith Prince and then um, Barbara Walsh. Like there were some some yeah. people who all you know played the same part at different times, um, but they were all very generous. Yeah, they were all yeah, Lonnie, yeah, and Chip, and yeah, it was yeah, like my hero. Yes, so. uh, my personal hero too. Yeah, I mean the show just does a miraculous thing where it just brings people together, and you can't not just create a family, a tight knit family, when you do it. Um, and I think uh, talking to to some of those original cast members at opening night, I think they were all very excited, but also very scared to see remnants of themselves up on stage. And I think their fears were quelled pretty uh, 
early on because of what Andrew and Tracy were just saying that Bill and James were so open to everything that we had to bring to the table and seeing it with fresh eyes and, you know, Bill wanting to change the things that he's always wanted to change and also having these creators having a, have evolved from the beginnings of their career to now. Um, I think it was, they were able to see what they had created in a brand new light. And I think that was very exciting for them to just watch the evolution of their, their little baby. It was a really fun experience. Well, I was going to say that it, it always struck me that all of you seemed to really feel that it was like a privilege and such, uh, such a, I mean, specifically meaningful experience to be in the show in particular. And like you said, there's something about it that just really strongly connects with people. Um, and it seems like a story that although much has changed in the world for the better since it was first on stage, it does still feel really relevant and really like, oh, wait, let's remember that this it wasn't so far back in the past that, you know, AIDS was a very real thing. And, um, you know, we've had, you know, the sad story of Michael Friedman recently to remind mm -hmm. us that it's not gone. And, um, and you know, it's not like everything has been solved since then. Um, so I was just curious to hear what you think about the, the ways that it resonates now um, in different ways or in similar ways to when it, it was first. This, this is when we thought Reagan was bad. Oh, oh my Jesus. God, does he look good now? I, I know. know. Nostalgia. Uh, well, that was a big part of it. You know, the election happened in the middle of our run. Mm. So um, that certainly, I think, affected the way that people heard the show um, before and after yeah. the election. I mean, there was a definite shift that yeah. that Wednesday um, that we came in for our matinee and we thought maybe the world was ending. Um, <laughs> and um, we're still here. And yep. we're still and here. We're st but, um, but that was a, you know, and it was such a gift to have this story to tell every night to sort of get through that. Um, I mean, we were all, I think the, a large part of the nation was depressed um, and shocked. <laughs> and we had this really beautiful story yeah. that we got to tell every night that sort of helped ease that a little bit just personally I think um, mm -hmm. and it was great to be in a room for those two and a half hours with this group of strangers in the audience and share this really beautiful story with them it was just a nice little break from feeling terrible mm -hmm. completely yeah. yeah yeah it was really interesting because like um, that Wednesday after the election the audience was like shell shocked we had like a shell shocked audience and we were shell-shocked, too. Um, so it ended up being this very therapeutic, like, life-changing moment. And I think everybody was grateful. We were grateful. We were able to tell the story that was still so relevant um, and necessary. And the audience needed to hear it and needed to be reminded of our humanity and our collective humanity and that we're all in this together. So we were just all very grateful afterwards yeah. to be able to do it. I also feel like a lot of people I spoke to after the show every night had gone through such an intense catharsis watching our show that they said they hadn't necessarily remembered feeling, and these are people who had seen the original, I think, who hadn't remembered necessarily feeling so deeply about it originally. And I think it's partly because in terms of history, the, the show when it first came out came at a time that was so close to 
the AIDS epidemic and that crisis that people were so quick to try and put a Band-Aid on that wound just to survive and just to get through. Um, and after all of these years of letting it process, to reopen that wound, um, I think was really important for them in their their process of, of dealing with the tragic loss of all of their friends and their families. Um, and so for me, I've, I, I felt like we were doing a, a mitzvah for these people, honestly, um, who needed even more closure maybe than they had before. Um, and of course, obviously, everything that Andrew and Tracy said about the election. It, I mean, before the election, it felt like a very important history lesson that we were giving. And then after the election, it was just all of the everything. I mean, there wasn't a scene in the show that didn't speak some sort of truth mm -hmm. to the present time. Mm -hmm. No, and I think that the wonderful thing about the show is that it doesn't feel like it's trying to give you a history lesson. No. Be like, this is an important show. Again, because it's, it's just... It's all about people. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Well, it's exciting that this is going to be on TV soon. Yeah, all very excited for this. Very <laughs> excited. Uh, so thank you so much for all coming by and beaming in, and great to talk to all of you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And us. watch thank on October 27th, right? Yes. October 27th. That's yeah. it. You know, and it's funny, I will say though, before we go, I saw in the, I saw in the theaters here because I wasn't able to go to the, the premiere. So, so many of my friends who saw it in our theater I mean, on Broadway, they thought, oh, okay, we'll see the movie of it, and it'll be cool. But they saw things they'd never seen yep. mm -hmm. on stage. They couldn't see on stage. And, you know, some people who kind of were emotional in the theater when they saw it on Broadway were wrecked seeing the movie, you know, and surprised and like, oh, my God, I didn't even know that was happening. I didn't I didn't see that, or I was looking at something else when I saw it on Broadway, and it actually reached into their soul in a whole different way. So it's very, very exciting. You know, we in for for three months here and we're sold out every night, so it's nice that this is happening now. Yeah. And yeah. James did James Lapine did such a beautiful job sort of redirecting it for those cameras. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. um, it was an adjustment, I think, for all of yeah. us in our performances that you're now performing in front of a camera and you sort of have to, you know, make some make some minor adjustments, but actually they had added up to be a pretty pretty mm -hmm. major yeah. I think people are gonna be really touched and moved by it. Hopefully there'll be a lot of falsettos viewing parties yeah. Yeah. next week. What a group we four are for unlikely lovers And we vow that we will buy the farm arm in arm for unlikely lovers With heart Let's be scared together Falsettos will be on live from Lincoln Center on PBS Friday, October 27th. Check your local listings for times, of course. And the cast recording, which Andrew, Brandon, and Tracy are all on, is out now everywhere and on Spotify. If you're a Billboard on Broadway fan, please subscribe. Give us lots of stars and nice reviews on iTunes. You can always tweet at me at Rebecca Millsoff. Use the hashtag Billboard on Broadway if you would like to tweet about the podcast. And I hope to have you back next week. Blah, 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 blah,
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.